0: How's it, guys? Uh, We're here with another episode of the podcast that doesn't have a name yet, believe it or not. (laughs) I'm still figuring that out. And uh, I'm with uh, Jamal Safari and I've known him for a while. We've touched base, we've met years ago, and it's so good to have seen him making moves and helping in the social development sphere uh, across the years. And now finally we get to chat again. So yeah, we're just going to jump in have a conversation on, on, on a few aspects that I'm, I'm trying to highlight and, and actually aim towards younger people and people who want to go into the social development entrepreneurial spaces in and around Africa and abroad and just to get the inputs from people who are doing these things seeing their hurdles what makes them tick uh, what the things that they had to overcome uh, how to basically navigate that space in 2020 which is uh, (laughs) easier said than done. It's a crazy, crazy time to now try and start a business, try and uh, advocate for social development and social responsibility. But that's why we, yeah, to have these discussions and to see who's doing what, what works, what doesn't, and just to learn from the whole process. So Jamala, thank you for your time, brother. I really appreciate it. As you say, you're running a small business and time's money, you know. Nice to see you.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Larry. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Yeah, so I mean, both of us kind of have grassroots re- levels at as students. I met you when I was a student back in, what's that, 2014, yeah. 2013, those days. Uh, yeah, observatory, ago. Ash Street, crazy <laughs> days. And mm. it's amazing to see how far and how much development has happened in, 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 in that time. Um, so like the first thing I want to, I want to chat about because, um, I'm very, very interested also to see the work that HCI foundation has been doing, which you are the CEO of. And I like this idea and I'm very fascinated about the social development space and corporate responsibility when it comes to, to giving back as such, you know, and, um, what is, what, what has been your experience in, in that space with regards to uh, development and seeing the benefits thereof. I know a lot of people are a bit like skeptical and a bit uh, apprehensive of NGOs and stuff like that. But what are some of the issues that you've seen actual, like making change, like actual tangible change being made in those spaces? You can just share with us. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think, I think, uh, you know, when people are skeptical for various reasons, and I agree. Uh, but it depends on, on which organization you work for, or which organization you, you, you have started and why you started that. And the big question, I think, is the why, if your why is mm-hmm. clarified, and you know why you're doing what you're doing, what are the end goals, what you want to see, and you're authentic in what you're doing. I think there won't be any question to really um, uh, to really question your 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 motives. The big problem is when your why are not clarified, when you there for the wrong reasons, you're not authentic. That's where things become problematic. So let me tell you a little bit about the foundation that that I lead.
0: So yeah, we
1: we do this not because. Well, there is any money that we make. We don't do this because you know we'll get any marketing leverage. It's not about a branding, it's not about marketing. So we do this because it's the right thing to do. hcr Foundation has been in existence for many years. It used to be Golden Arrow Foundation back then. I'm sure you kept on you. You'll remember it, it, Golden it, Arrow. It, it, so it's it, it's it comes, well. Started with Golden Arrow, yeah. So but for years, we have been operating, but people, people didn't know HCI Foundation, unless you had been a teacher. No, the but first the time I've actually heard of,
0: know. the first time I heard about HCI Foundation is by following you and your journey and your story. And also with the, the coverage you guys got with the COVID relief funding uh, support um, through the media and that with the ENCA. And then I was like, okay, cool. And a bit digging. And it was like, I saw that golden arrow were, was at the, at the mm-hmm. basis the spot <laughs> levels of this whole thing funny enough uh
1: yeah yeah so so basically what it tells you it tells you that we are not in it because we want to be glorified yeah we are not doing this because we feel like you want know, to give us some uh, branding margins for hcr yeah. or any of the companies related to hcr so we're not here to do marketing we're here to do the work the truth is south africa has got serious challenges we know the challenges that the definitely facing for years and for any uh, company or any foundation that is here really to make to to make even a small change often you know therefore the glamorous part of it to be seen on tv or radio or anything so that's why i think when people are skeptical it's because perhaps they think you've got ulterior motives but Mm -hmm. when you look at a, a foundation like hcr foundation and just knowing that we don't do we don't even publicize what we do we really do things and we just do it because it's the right thing. There is no reason to to question our motives. So I'm there because I know I'm working for a, an organization that is genuine. I'm beautiful. working for an organization that wants to make change. I'm, I'm here because I know South Africa needs organizations like us. And we're not the only one. There are many other organizations that want to see the country moving forward. We can speak about the beauty of South Africa and speak about democracy. And, and how, you know, we are kind of a miraculous nation where we came from and where we are. But if, yeah. we, if we do not sustain the foundation of this democracy, we can lose everything. And the foundation starts with the core basic human development aspect of our nation, and that's yeah. where we have to start. You know, are people being educated, are people eating, are everyone, you know, uh, the little child who's was born, is he getting what? He or she need actually to be able to to grow up healthy the young man who's on the street is getting quality education so that next year or few years down the line we can see him as a, as the a next leader in the country so for us when we do whatever we do we look at long term what long-term you
0: sustainable sustainable goals,
1: solution no. yeah because what
0: i saw as well like I've i've been involved in one or two ngos where the whole premise of the goal or the, the the whole premise of the success of the program relies on the NGO constantly being there. And if they had to yeah. step away, it kind of falls apart, you know? So in that sense, yes, what they're doing is good, but it's not sustainable. I mean, you want to develop mm-hmm. something. So when you step away, the skills are there, the infrastructure is there and the development is there. For for those who benefit from these programs to now carry on and do their own thing, I, I also wanted to pick your brain, Jamala, because I'm I'm on this journey. Let me let me tell you why I'm doing this. Actually, mm. I'm in the last year, couple of years, year two or years. I've I've I followed what's been happening back home and and in and in the general uh, continent Africa. My brother has was uh, one of the marketing directors, uh, for one of the bigger international companies for Africa. And he would travel mm. into Accra and Ghana and, and Nairobi, Kenya and Lagos and Nigeria. And Africa has a huge potential, huge, huge potential. And, um, I've also been following, um, small business development and small businesses and entrepreneurs as a catalyst for social change. And I've seen how people have uh, sustained their livelihoods and those, and that of those around them and family through starting small businesses, through starting these little initiatives, whether it's in the community or in a more corporate, more formalized setting. And, um, I just wanted to pick your brain about that like do you how how do you feel about about business entrepreneurs africa and that whole environment um
1: yeah well africa i feel like you know when you look at the whole world one area one continent that still holds a lot of opportunities for entrepreneurship is africa yeah we've got what it takes we've got the resources Uh, natural resources and then you look at the um we've got a a large number of uh, you know the young generation that is coming definitely i mean it's the youngest it's it's the youngest continent when you look at the um uh, uh, population you know age group of the population here uh so when you think about that then we're talking about penetration of the um mobile network so everyone has got a cell phone now so when you think about that and even payment, payment system, you know, everything yeah, is happening on the phone. So it tells you, like, really you've got a market that is untapped in so many ways. Whether yeah. we're talking about start, starting something that's you know, a brick and mortar business, or we're talking about something that's digital, Africa can actually serve as a, as a as a starting point. And the need to resolve are so many. I mean, whether we're talking about, you know, clean water or, or energy, you know, uh, mm. s- solar energy, or you're talking about just starting something that for I don't know you know telecommunication you know uh, you know so much that you can still do on the continent but i feel like i think there is fear firstly for uh, a lot of um, investors to do so to support small businesses and also the lack of startup capital, or maybe just that risk yeah. of taking ability of many young people to say, Well, instead of me going to sit in a corporate world, let me start something small and see how it will grow. But I feel like that's the way to go. If you want to see our continent really emerging, we as young people really should be at the forefront of just a driving uh, entrepreneurship. And whether we're talking about social entrepreneurship or we're talking about for profit entrepreneurship, yeah. we've got to be involved in. In one aspect or another, that's the only way we can take this continent
0: forward. Yeah, I also think like there's also these I've 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 come across a few of these examples of you have these amazing young entrepreneurs trying to start something, and there's this resistance from the old God, you know, older mm-hmm. especially in Africa and especially mm-hmm. like the older traditional guys. Who've come up years, 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 and you yeah, this is young guy who's just like, I got this idea, it's online, and they're like, Well, hey, yeah, you must come, you must uh, show respect. You know, mm. I feel like there's a lot of sabotage or counterproductivity just based on um let's call it cultural norms or traditional norms in the sense of um people see it as if there's a young guy who's coming up and who's, who's got something innovative and, and doing. everyone sees, okay, he's my competition. They don't think of, okay, how can we actually work together? You know, I mm. want some of that. And yes. instead of yes. saying, I want some of that, the, the idea or the, the attitude of, okay, that's cool. How can we work together? That is lacking. Mm.
1: I think the big thing, what I would say, actually, it's a fear of the unknown. Yeah. Technology for the older generation is a new thing. It's a frightening thing. And the way it's growing. I mean, if you can tell me now, think about it. If I used to have a farm, and for me, you know, it's cattle farm. What do I do? I go to the market and I sell my my cow and you give me cash. Now I see, now I see they're I selling dry. online. But now you tell me, you know, can you put this cow online I'll take a picture and somebody will just deposit money and then you'll get your money. It's it's frightening. I need the to see cannot go
0: through I need to I, see I need the need money. To see it. I need
1: to touch it. <laughs> so that that's the fear we've got for that older generation. What yeah, we will man. see, I think gradually people are still are starting to understand like well, technology is not there for our disadvantage, but it's there to help us. When you look at what is happening, whether in Kenya or in Ghana or wherever you go, you'll find now, people are using, I mean, farmers are using technology, for example, to, to sell some of their produce, or even just to predict, to see, uh, to, to yes. be ahead of, 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 of um, production, You know, just to know when will be the rain and, and so on. So technology is coming very slowly. The big thing that I would say, I think, perhaps, uh, the old guard is not helping young generation with, is access to capital. There we go. starting a business is not that easy you can have a great idea but if you don't have the capital as well to start sometimes it's difficult to move forward and as you know you can be you, you don't necessarily have to be an it guru to to start an it company yeah, sometimes man. you've got to have an idea and you have got to put a team together that will maybe develop code for you and, and and be able to help you grow your business so now to put that team together it's a lot of money I know a guy that I I know he spoke to me, brilliant idea and so on and so forth, but the startup capital was quite huge. He had a bit of 100,000 rent that he threw Mm. into the business. And before, you know, before long, the money was gone. So now suddenly, you sit here and finish product, and of course, this vision, this way it should go, but you don't have the money. So for me, what I would love to see from the old guard and from our government, which is often old as well, you know, it's African government, you know, all the leaders in political leaders are often old. What I would love to see is that they should create an environment where access to capital is easy and it's cheap, college is cheap and easy. And secondly, they should make sure that technology it's accessible throughout from that the village the thing, to the man. small city if you do that development will happen on its own if I, I know i've got a great idea if i go there is a doorway i can knock and expand my idea put a business plan together and if it's sound there is, there is a little bit of capital that i can get to get it moving great we'll see things happening and if there is infrastructure which often is now technology so for me those are the two things that i think we want to see the continent to move forward forget about borders i'm sure borders often create a lot of problems but with technology we can actually transcend borders definitely you can be in kenya and you're doing business in south africa you can be in nigeria you're doing business in 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 togo Togo. you can be in congo you're doing business in egypt it doesn't matter because technology transcends uh, you know uh, our geographic, uh, geographic, you know, barriers. But the problem is access to capital and being te- making technology accessible. And access to infrastructure,
0: the infrastructure. Those are the, so
1: that's big issues.
0: I was also busy with uh, with an uh, uh, NGO in a dig- digital skills development program that I was going to run for, uh, um, let's just say, high needs youth or youth from underprivileged areas, because as you said, okay, now once I have that capital, or maybe there is capital that I can access, or I have the idea, there's a massive, massive lo- uh, a lack in not only digital skills, but the infrastructure. You take for granted the internet. Like there's people, like I know people who, like you don't have internet, you don't have access to, to 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 um, they say devices, so how are you gonna put your business online? You know what I mean. So those things need to be unlocked and made accessible, um, and it's part of the formula. It's part you have you have uh, uh, financial uh, uh, capital that's 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 uh, provided, and then you also need those digital skills or that infrastructure that can now incubate this idea and let let's let's see where it goes.
1: Um, and, and, and LA is not difficult. I think for Africa to think about how do we move forward as a continent, how do we become a prosperous continent, yeah. technology must be part of the formula. When you look at countries that have leapfrogged, leap that have really moved forward, it's because technology has made things so easy. Think about it, China, for example, a simple example. You travel to China, payment method, you don't need to have a bank account to pay. Yeah. Off you know, your cell phone, everything happens. So what happens is that if you're in a rural area, whether you far deep rural area, if you can access technology, you can be able to do transactions, you can actually put your idea out there, you know, suddenly you've got a big market. The market, you know, the whole world is your market. If your idea actually can attract so many, many people across the globe. So what needs to happen is that our country should invest, our continent must invest in making technology accessible. And of course, making also those uh, basic literacy skills, technology skills available at a younger age. You don't need to go to university to be able to use a computer or or, or a cell phone. You know, it should be really part of your curriculum at the primary school, how to handle an iPad, how to access an email address, how to maybe to build a website. Very simple things like that that we should all learn. It doesn't mean you have to go do IT to do that. It has to be really part of the basic curriculum from primary school high school and then you'll see how the continent on its own how things will just move yeah. and young people will be moving it so. I,
0: I i have a i always have a debate with people like that because i'm very not anti-technology in the school i'm a teacher myself right uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I i teach high school um uh, in south africa and yeah in abu dhabi now i'm teaching high school as well but in south africa there are other challenges the thing is I see the need for that. It's important. Yes. Kids need to be, uh, they need to learn the language of technology, right? They need to be well versed, but I don't see as a, and now I'm sympathizing with the teachers because I'm one and I've been there. Mm-hmm. There's no use. Every child has an iPad and they have uh, all this technology, technological resources at their disposal, but there's still 43 to 50 kids in a class. You know what I mean? So like I'm more on the side of human resources, take that budget for iPads and smart boards and hire more teachers, smaller classrooms. And the teachers can focus on those core literacy skills or development skills. Now the teacher has to worry. Yes. The kids have iPads. They have all this technology, but there's almost 50 kids in a, in a grade three class. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's the technology is not going to solve the problem. It's the, at the end of the day, it's the human interaction um that guides that process but i think there's a model that can exist that both can coexist definitely yes
1: i look at the blended method here and blended learning that oh. i mean when you look at what the impact of, of covid you know what we, we, the we got thrown COVID
0: into that big time we got
1: thrown into it so suddenly now a school that never used a computer suddenly everyone is using a computer of course it actually um, makes things even worse for the less advantaged kids who parents, the parents didn't go to school. They don't have an iPad, they don't have data, no access to technology. Really, it even makes things worse for them. But for those who are coming from well-off family, it makes it in life easier because suddenly you start realizing that you can access so much resources at the tip of your fingerprint uh, fingernail. You don't need to go to the classroom to access really so, you know, class material or so on. But what for me, I think, what is an opportunity here is for government to see where, for example, we don't have really enough resources to have so many schools, so many classrooms. There is a way that you can try to divide this to say, well, can we, can we try to invest in technology, even if and, and train as many people as possible to use technology? Because the truth is, it will take many years for every little village. To have a, a, yeah. a, a brick and mortar school, yeah. a decent school, it will take years to say, well, that's grade three school that has got 60 kids, suddenly it will have 20 kids in it. It will take many years. And if we the longer we wait, the,
0: yes. <laughs> the more capital process
1: will go. Yeah, yeah, so basically for me the idea is well, how do we say well, how do we take advantage of this technology? Well, of course, we continue to invest in human capital. And how do we do that? Is that can we Unfortunately, everything that you've got here as a digital resource so open, we import it. But can we start producing our own, locally made, manufactured, you know, let's say, iPad or laptop, so that it can be cheaper and accessible to as many children as possible. Make uh, Wi-Fi or maybe just network, you know, Wi-Fi available in every little village. And from there, now you can train a lot of many young people. And those will become like either as tutors or or you know, they will go to those villages and actually be able to help teachers. Teacher. Because I understand that it will be difficult to say, well, a class of 60 people would now suddenly next year have 20 children. Yeah. But what you can say, for, from the from the dividend that you've got of many young people in 12 or, or above, you can actually train many of them, and they will become like assistant teachers. You know, so In a classroom I, exactly. of 60, kids, you can I, have an assistant yeah. who will go around and help those kids.
0: I think we highly, highly underestimate the value of young learners, like senior high school learners. They have the energy, they have the grit, their minds want to learn. But I think sometimes the, 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 this idea of you need to go to university after high school that is that is successful that needs to fall away very quickly obviously if you're a doctor you need to go to university you can't youtube that that stuff you know yeah, yeah, yeah. you know mm. but i mean it's like it's a segue i think having these digital skills and i love the the uh, i don't know if you've seen the google digital skills for africa platform where it's a free course uh it teaching ships. you all the basics i love that i always punt that mm. uh, I, I show young people like hey look here you can do this. You could probably be an intern at like a company in the marketing department or in an NGO getting their word out on, on the platforms, but using those young learners as uh, people in leadership and training in the environments, I think that's a brilliant idea. I think that and then that, that can lead to other aspects and actually bring Bring more value for the communities that they serve. You know.
1: Let me tell you about one initiative that we support. I, I don't know if you're familiar with a particular school that is called Leap Science and Math School. Know that? It's, 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 I know. You know the school well, right? So they wait, started. It's wait, where about is that? It's here in well, it's based here in Cape Town, but it got it got uh, currently they've got six schools in in the Western Cape: khauteng and limpopo
0: I think so, my Walton, my friend Walton. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. Wilton. His uh, cousin went to one of those.
1: It might be. So basically, yeah. it started by uh, a really strong, uh, very visionary leader called, uh, his name is uh, John Gilmore. So they've started another another initiative, but not started, but it's for for a number of years now. It's yeah. called Global Teacher Institute.
0: Global so what they've
1: realized is that, well, you don't need to all go to university to become teachers. You can actually become teacher, you're learning to become a teacher while at the same time you're practicing. So what they've created is it's a model where you practice while learning. So you become an intern, an assistant teacher while you're studying. You learn through yourself. and they create this, this kind of um, hubs where those learners, those te- learners, call them students. Call them
0: teachers. interns.
1: <laughs> yeah, student teachers. So student they're learning teachers, and they're again. practicing. So you've got somebody who's who's, who's, who's a student teacher, but it's already an assistant teacher at a particular school. He is learning or she is learning, but also she's practicing. She's assisting a teacher somewhere. So think about it. Mm -hmm. It's practical experience, and you will become a teacher. And at the same time, they are earning a little bit of a stipend. So think about it now. If you can have that model replicated in many countries, And we can say now, all those young people, they might be in a village, they don't need to be in a city center. They can be in a village, they can be in a, wherever that they are, remotely where they are. And they will be able now to assist these these teachers in the classroom with digital um, tools. You don't need now the teacher that, you know, if, if every child has got an iPad or laptop, now the teacher will be teaching them. We know the classroom is quite big but those assistant teachers will be in the classroom go, then, assisting every child who's struggling. So now it doesn't become a burden of the teacher to say, well, I must be uh, on course with everyone, but I can move forward as those kids who are struggling, and a couple of assistant teachers who are working with them. Brilliant. Remember that we don't all learn at the same speed. Yeah, Some kids will learn faster. And, will learn and, and teacher. teachers,
0: teachers focus on curriculum. The student assistants or the student teachers can focus on the implementation. So we need to learn this, but mm. the student teacher will focus on the actual tools of how we're gonna bring this across because the biggest challenge when I mean, all this new technology is flowing in and teachers need to go for this training and that course is that you get teachers that are almost like 50 years old and like, like I, don't know, I don't know what's happening. I don't know about this platform. So hands, we need more young, fresh hands in the classroom to help bridge that gap between teacher expertise, curriculum expertise, and then implementation, implementation. Via, di- via devices.
1: And, and and that's what we need. Because suddenly, even that older teacher, when he or she retires, then you've got four or five or eight other teachers who actually can take over. There we so go. that's what you need. Because it will take really many years to build new schools. But mm-hmm. you can say now, like we can use this technology actually to our advantage. And the next thing is, you know, after, after you know, once the school is over, you know, daily activities are over, you can actually focus on a couple of kids who are struggling to catch up. So, because you've got assistant teachers yeah. who have been moving around and they can see, oh, this one is struggling, stay a bit late, we'll work with you. This one is struggling, stay a bit late, you'll catch up. And then another tool that we should look at, like, uh, well, we work with them so recently the, the director john gilmore came to talk to us mm. and told us that they are, they are they are piloting a new digital tool where you can see in real time who's uh, how the learner is engaging is engaging with the material that the teacher is teaching so basically if you are on a particular chapter you'll see the learner is on that particular chapter if you give them homework or exercise to do you'll see who did what how many they got yeah. right how is many it, it is it called alif I think i don't know i can't remember the name Because we of use that too. yeah we we yes, use but, that yeah but i can see this exactly. is the advantage of that yeah you the can advantage check. of that you can see who's struggling you can track yes and then what does that happen what, what does that mean in, like, is that the teacher won't stand there and scream the whole day and wondering who understood and who didn't understand but the teacher can sit at home and say actually oh this one is struggling here and now mm. you tell your learning to the need of the teacher you tell a teacher. So, and, and that's what you need to do. That's the importance of technology. Technology won't make things happen on its own. Nope. It needs human capital, human resources. Yeah. We must interact and it must be blended. Technology and human, we must work together. And I have to tell you for me, that's the future of, the, of education. If we don't do that and we feel like we'll go back to our old ways, we will yeah. fail. I feel like, you
0: know, I, I tend to see these shifts happening. And in the last, let's say, 10 years, there has been a big shift on science and technologies in schools, STEM, STEM education, math, science. And in parallel, what's been happening in society is a down, a decrease of, like, general knowledge and appreciation for the humanities for history, for social support, because everyone thinks it's like, oh, science and technology is going to solve everything, but we we need to like we need to be very 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 careful to not use that not not lose that social awareness or social consciousness um, when it comes to our histories, when it comes to social. Uh, um, Structures and how we as a people have developed, and there's always going to be a human behind the technology. Well, hopefully,
1: very <laughs> importantly, because very you know, like I look at
0: South African kids, also like they don't like history. History, they don't know that, and that causes so many problems. If you don't know what happened in the past, or you're not very grounded in your history as a as a culture or as a a, a nation, then technology can be used to corrupt you know what i mean uh, i agree so we need to actually find a very very fine balance on how we use this tool without with adhering and acknowledging the past and and moving forward and being very sensitive to this different social economic uh, factors and why they existed uh, the systems that were in place in the past and how we can use technology not to push and accelerate those who have used it for gain even further, but to now bring some sort of social justice, you know, or social uh, development. I think we, we, we've, we've pushed so much on the, the science and maths that uh, our historians are not being heard, our our social advocates are not being heard, you know, so. It,
1: it's, it is important. We cannot build a society where, you know, we don't have humanity. We don't have people from, mm. the, from, the, from the humanity. Firstly, we have to understand. Ultimately, there are critical skills that we should have if we have to advance in this century. And one of it, one of those skills, is critical thinking. Skills. Dude, critic you, you cannot. You cannot. Whether we're talking about so a important. doctor, we're talking about a mathematician, we're talking about, you know, a historian. If you can't think critically,
0: then everything's going to be and, fake news.
1: <laughs> then everything's going everything, to be fake news. <laughs> that's the big thing. That's and, the, that's and that's what's the, happening. That's the fear of technology. Yeah. If you can't think critically and think like technology will think on your behalf, what well, we are doing? It. Yeah, because everyone now can post something and say, "Well, Lay says this," and and if you don't know Lay and if you cannot actually analyze and judge, where is the so, what is the source of this information? Well, I will end up hating Lay because yeah. then people will actually look at what he's saying. Critical, that's critical thinking. thinking, it's important, and and often it doesn't just come from from the humanity side, but it comes from everyone, but. It's very much when you talk about the thinkers, the people who come and remind us where who we are as human beings, often they come from the humanities. That's where we talk about philosophy, that's where we talk about, about our social consciousness. They somehow kind of they guide us to remind us about who we are. And we should never forget that aspect of, 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 of our humanity.
0: Yeah. And I think in our bursary
1: program, we support, for example, we, we have stopped this idea of saying you've we, got to be supporting engineers and and, and, and that's you know, everything it's it called
0: engineers i.t coding coding them. coding yeah,
1: you know, like, know, like our
0: languages are getting lost like you know everything's coding <laughs> man everything's coding
1: it, it shouldn't be like that so we have to focus on saying well we' gotta support all aspects of our humanity we're talking about somebody who want to do history social work or who want to do it you have to support them and support yeah. them equally because ultimately society must be balanced if we end up having a lot of IT guys, lot of engineers, and lo- it, so on, it won't be balanced.
0: What I loved about your what about the foundation that you guys do is there's a big emphasis on arts and culture. Why? So, sorry, that was also I don't know if that okay. was uh okay, okay. I was no, saying, no, uh, uh, there's a big emphasis on arts and culture and performative arts uh, with the uh, HCI Foundation, and I I, like, I love that aspect. I love that aspect because as kids, you know, we're coming to the world, learning how to draw, dance, sing, uh, do plays and act, you know? And then all of a sudden it's like, no math science. So I was like, what, you know? And that, I love that you guys support those initiatives in the creative arts, in the performative arts. And it's such a big integral part of, 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 uh, of humanity and, and us as humans that,
1: We can't express ourselves
0: in ones and zeros all the time. No,
1: but (laughs) think about it. How will life be if we cannot appreciate art? If we cannot just appreciate the beauty or the creative part of our existence? Because I think that's what makes actually life beautiful. If we go to a garden, it doesn't happen by an IT guy who just came (laughs) and called and suddenly there is a beautiful flower there. There is somebody who must appreciate beauty and help us actually to create a space where we feel relaxed, we feel actually much more creative. You must support those creative spaces. You must create and support art. And ultimately, we shouldn't think, let's say, for example, mathematics is more important than music. All these things go hands in hand. If actually we can help the child yeah. to, 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 um, to focus and be able to excel in whatever that he or she is good at, whether we're talking about art or mu- music, drawing when we're talking about science i have to tell you if we do that we'll see the world that is just progressing uh, that, that is progresses into into um i don't want to say perfection but that's what we will see actually all of us reaching our full potential because yeah. it's very wrong when you take a child and say you're going to become a doctor because that's what you find you very you're going to become an it guy because everything will become pop industrial revolution exactly because we have to yeah. say we're going to support your dream because that's go. what will help you to be full. That's what will, will, that will help you to be whole and to be um, happy in your, in your life. That's what we try to do. With the
0: I think the fear as well is like, I mean, I know that uh, the future of commerce and we live in a capitalistic society and it's not going to go away anytime soon. And I think the need for, for equipping our youth with skills that they can enter into some sort of industry or job market is crucial but I think the fear comes in where it's like, okay, I have a job and I'm behind a a computer on a desk, but I don't express myself. You know, I don't play the piano anymore. I don't Mm -hmm. see. you know, so on one hand you have this financial security, you have a job, you, you can, you can fend for yourself, but basically I don't want to like the fear is also being another, another plug in the wall, you know, serving the, like we need to balance those two things. And I think, You know, if I look at what these big conglomerates like Amazon and Tesla are doing is like they're advancing at the expense of their workers and people need to take cuts and people need to uh, sacrifice their their, their time with their loved ones, with their family. So, you know, they're just part of the engine. Uh, They have the skills, but they are losing a bit of their expressive humanity too. And I think education is very important if we emphasize the right parts simultaneously technology arts and culture and place emphasis on both and tell the learners look here like yes you need technology you need to be well versed in these things but don't forget that you are a human being too and there are emotional psychological needs for you to thrive as a person before as an employee Uh, you know so
1: ultimately i think it's not an either or kind of word okay okay it's a it's a world that you know things should be balanced, things should yeah. live together. It's it's a it's where try to say, well, how can art and science coexist and help us to become better? Where how do we bring um social sciences and maybe the technology that we do have to actually help us to get a better to have a better world? That's what you should do. It would be wrong to tell a child that, you know. Now, because you want to become an artist, you shouldn't know how to use a computer. It would be wrong. But if you say now, you, you want to become an artist, how do you use technology actually to become a better artist? Yeah. You've got to balance those two because yeah, the it's, world a, going it's a to tool. Ultimately, it's a tool to help you move forward with your dream. But we shouldn't say now, because we want to have more scientists, we should forget about artists. So how do you balance it? Because ultimately, the world must be balanced. And it's had to be balanced on all aspects, whether we're talking about technology, art, or yeah. child, it might be balanced. And for the child or for whoever is funding the education of the children, you gotta help, you gotta create a space where people can express themselves. Even in companies, don't take oh, people as yeah, their tools, and then they should come there in the morning until evening, and that's it. But encourage people to follow their passion. To have just, you know, you, you, might be, you might be a might be a teacher. But I love maybe playing soccer. Why shouldn't my. my We are not one thing, you know, you're not just one thing. thing. Exactly. We are many things. If you say, well, we've got a lot of engineers here, it doesn't mean if you're an engineer, you cannot be drawing. So encourage those cross-pollination, use all aspects of who you are so that you can be fulfilled. Actually, otherwise, you'll have people who are successful financially, they are very successful, but actually, they are very depressed because one aspect of their life that's what i'm getting has died long that's what i'm getting at
0: yeah man i mean i mean uh just to just to also wrap up shortly Mm
1: -hmm.
0: as a as a person who's venturing in your own little business what are what are what have you found some of the challenges and how have you overcome that i always i I love that idea because a lot of young people are like they like the they like the look of being an entrepreneur. They like the 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 status or the appeal of it, but they don't understand what goes behind the scenes. Uh, I always call like entrepreneurs the best firefighters because that's all you do. You're just solving problems and putting out fires and 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 trying to calm people down. Um, in our climate, in our economical climate in Africa, more specifically South Africa, what have been your most challenging aspects in order to get some sort of stability, and how did you overcome that? Because people don't know where to start and they don't know where to go to find out information. You know, like
1: I think the first thing is you gotta start. I think start. a lot of time we, we stick into our planning, you plan and you see, Oh, this is a good idea, that's a good idea, but you're not moving forward. So you gotta move, you gotta get started. That's the first thing. And getting started doesn't mean like you'll get things right at the beginning. Nope. The truth is when you start, you make quite a few mistakes and it might be costly mistakes. So expect that, that will happen. And but learn very quickly. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't move forward. Because I think sometimes you stick to say, well, like, I've got this little business and it's nice. And I, I, you know, you're so emotionally involved that actually you forget like actually the business should make money. <laughs> If you're not moving (laughs) forward, you're losing money. If you're losing money, you're going to move forward. We started, I mean, we started with a really business that I love a lot and huge potential, and we're making African, well, you can see this hat. It's very colorful, right? Awesome. So this is some of the stuff we're making. So we're making high-end bags, um, shoes for women, really quality. But it wasn't easy. To sustain the business because it was very capital intensive We're in, Dude, you know, my, my capital. dad
0: was in clothing manufacturing for a while <laughs> and yeah. the business started to plummet um, when the imports from the East started coming in yeah. at a cheaper so I mean if you yeah. the high end part is very good that you are aiming at because automatically you you're selling to a, a more a, 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 a quality sensitive customer you know what That's I mean so yes
1: That top LSM, I mean the ten. Well, maybe for those who perhaps you don't know about the LSM here, but we're talking about high end market. So our market was really like tourists, a local South African who really have got huge disposable income. You know, Mm -hmm. somebody who can buy, who appreciate the beauty of the of the fabric and quality, and you know all those things. It was good, but we were in a mall. I mean, you know, uh, we're in Canal Walk. Canal Walk, you know. Yeah. Well, it's really like kind of. Trendy top, top market, end market yeah. top end you know uh, uh, mall and now the cost is that you have to keep going it requires a lot of money for you to keep going the you guys have a, a i love it
0: you have a shop or installation we, there we, we, we yeah we
1: had a shop there so we had to crazy to go rent that shop crazy rent the shop. not because the business couldn't flourish but it required us to have really a couple of million into the business for it yeah. to make really a lot of money. I could see the business could go far, and we move into another business because from there we learn. We realize actually, you gotta be able to choose your market, and the market here you realize you just rely on on your tourists. It's kind of risky. You segmented it.
0: It's it's, it's market yes. segmentation. Yes. So you have certain products that are high, in that that's a very niche. That's but now with the tour is set, you know.
1: <laughs> yes. So now we have moved into another business. So what I would I would love to tell people, you know, whoever listen, be prepared. First, you gotta get moving, you gotta get started, and secondly, make sure cut your losses. If you feel like this yeah. is not moving yeah. forward, move put on it behind or you. get into another business. Yeah. Move, get, put it behind you and move on. And currently, we're doing something totally different, totally different. But it, it takes on a life of totally its own. It takes yes, on a life it's of its own. Forward. Yeah. And now what I'm I'm learning now is really about how do you source your product, how do you differentiate yourself from others, how do you, you offer quality service, and ultimately how do you market yourself? Because that's what you have to do. How do you position yourself in, in a way that, well, where we are, we again in another mode, and we're not the only one doing service, offering product and service yeah. that that we currently offering. But what has happened is that we become a home to many people who come just here because. They just love the people. They love being here. They love the service. And that's what is keeping us uh, moving
0: every day. So besides, I don't know if you know this, um, I am a teacher, but on the side, I I do marketing. I'm I'm a marketer. I I do uh, online marketing for small businesses. Yeah, we'll (laughs) chat about that later. But it's so important. And this is what I stress to some of my clients is, it's so important to, because I ask them, we we they focus on the product and the service, and I say okay, and then I ask, how's your how's your employees? Are they happy? Is it a place where people want to work for you? Because those are your indirect marketers. Mm. If I'm working for you, Jamala, and 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 it has this type of look on the storefront, and someone asks me, "Hey Lee, that that looks like a quite quite a nice place to work. How do you do you like it? Should I apply?" And I was like, Bruh, "Stay away from there. The man's crazy." Automatically, yeah. the brand value. So, mm. I, I talk about internal marketing. Mm. Internal marketing: sell your product to your employees. For very critical. Very, very critical. critical. And um,
1: because they, they, remember, they are the one who will be facing your customer. If they are not confident, they're not happy with the work that they do here. Ultimately, they won't be able to close that sale. So they yep. have to. It, people can see when you're happy. It's, it's in your face. They just look at you and they feel like you're actually welcoming. And you know, you go to a shop and people, when you need something, and people, what's the price? But you know, people are not there. <laughs> to but like, here we're uh, yeah, about, it's there. Yeah. The customer, when, when you come here, the guy who the person will approach you knows that there is an opportunity to close a sale, and there is an opportunity for you to come back over and over. So it's really Because if the company grows, interact? he
0: grows. You know what I mean? Exactly. If, so he's invested you know. in it. So yeah. If, yeah. He's, if he's and, and a, a champion and an advocate for the products and the company he understands that he's gonna grow as well you know and that's Absolutely. what uh, owners or, or or leaders need to instill or kind of bring or create that 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 um environment within their little companies so, matter, and it doesn't have to be a big company you start off with one or two people but if you 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 get them to believe in in what you are doing um you you have you have unlimited potential, I believe.
1: And, and then another aspect is the funder, because often I think there is another problem of funder where you don't want to leave, you don't want to let go, you feel like you know all the answers and you must be there morning to That's it. the biggest but mistake. You are, you are not a machine, you are not a machine. Delegation, you decide, you Delegation. Make your team confident enough to make their own decision. But so that, that make comes, yeah, you know,
0: people also but, have, have they think, they it's also a bit of ego because they think only I can do it right only i wrong. and and, it's, and that's 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 not the right not the right approach
1: and when to create a culture where a person understand like actually this is it's, it's really like a go on i'm part of this i'm part of this thing and if i make a mistake well it will affect me too but don't make people afraid to not make a decision because ultimately yeah. a customer comes in I, I want that there is no price or you were you just brought it in today but the customer wanted the the person must make a judgment and say what well, we can sell it at that price. And exactly. when you come, well, I sold it. Why did you sell it? Because I just look at this and I feel like, well, that's a good price. And with that when the person realizes like you believe in them, I have to tell you, they will take your business far. And, and yeah, that's definitely. what we've learned. Often we're not here, but they run the business.
0: And they want to feel empowered. They want to feel like they have some sort of influence on how the business operates. And I think trust also, Uh, creates a lot of value within the company, because if you are trusted to make company decisions, then employees or people who are in the company understand how much value they bring uh, and they, and they make decisions uh, um, sparingly um, not just as an employee, but as an actual stakeholder, you know?